Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. All right, so I've got a message for you today. It's called Brand New You. Brand New You. And uh, my, my hope, my intention is this. I, I kind of want to take where we've been in the past 11 weeks with the Who I Am series. want to kind of grab hold of that along with things we've been learning in Identity Camp and, and our Rooted Groups. And next week, we're going to go into a new series that Pastor Robert is going to start us off in called Chain Breaker. And in that series, we're going to learn about getting set free and living free from things that want to hold us Captive, because Jesus has set us free in whom the the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. Free indeed, amen. So I kind of want to take, you know, both of those things, like think about it like a sandwich, you know, like two slices of delicious Heidelberg bread. Those of you who are fans of Heidelberg know what I'm talking about. I'm just hoping that my message is not like a bunch of bologna today that's just sandwiched in between all that. Uh, Here's our opening scripture. You ready? 1 Corinthians 9.24. Let's pray first, though, before we, we dig our heels in. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We know you're already here, and you're already moving. What we want is what you want to accomplish. So the plans that we have, the ways that we've prepared, it's already been submitted to you, but we're just reminding ourselves right now that as we endeavor into your word, we want to, of course, be encouraged, edified. We want to be challenged. But what it is that you want to do in each one of us that is unique to us, let that be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24, everything I'm going to read to you today is from the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So Run to win. Now, the point that the Apostle Paul is is making here, simply put, is this. Run the race of, of your faith journey with Jesus with all the fire that you've got in you. Run the race with, if you're from the old school, all the gusto that you've got within you. Paul says, run to win. Don't just, as long as I get there, that's good enough. No, Paul says, run to win. Now, we've got a video we're going to take a look at, and I'm going to have our, our tech people cue that up for us in just a moment. What you're going to see uh, in this video, some of you may remember this. How many remember the, the Olympics in 1972? You're going to date yourself by lifting your hands. Okay. (laughs) And Munich, yes. Uh, Some of you may remember a man by the name of Dave Waddle. Dave Waddle was an Olympic runner. In 1972, he he won the gold medal for the 800-meter race. 
comes back from trailing way behind. When, when you see this video, you're going to be like, how? How did this man come from starting off the way that he started off to winning the, the gold medal? I mean, when you watch this man's feet, you, you would just almost think angels like have his ankles and they're just going like, like this or something. So let's go ahead. Let's throw the video up there. Let, let's take a look at Dave Waddle and, and his, basically his miracle win. And here he is right now preparing for the race in which he is the favorite. Like the man who won the 100 meters, he is from the Ukraine. In lane two, we're going to have Dieter Fromm of East Germany, another very strong runner. In lane three, Dave Waddle with the golf cap from the United States. Next to him in lane four, Robert Uko of Kenya. All of these men could win oh, the gold medal. Then we have Andy Carter of Great Britain. He also a very strong runner. Franz Joseph Kepra, the veteran from yeah. West Germany on home ground. And Mike Boyd, the surprise from Kenya. And on the outside, we have Kupchik the pole. Two laps around. They run in lanes for the first 100 meters and then they'll break. Boyd is looking strong again at the moment already. On the inside, we have Arshanov. Arshanov in the lead as they break, but Boyd on the outside is going for the lead right now. Uko, the other Kenyan, on the inside, and Waddle is way back exactly where he was in the semifinals. We don't know right now whether he's just trying to stay out of trouble. It'll be a few more hundred yards before we know if Dave is seriously injured or really just lagging back to stay out of trouble. He's not too bad because it was quite a fast pace through that first 200 meters. And as we said, here go the Kenyans charging for the lead, coming up to the bell lap, Boyd and Uku. Okay, and right with him is Andy Carter of Great Britain, Dieter Fromm of East Germany. Those are the four right now. They're on the bell lap. The split is 52.3. If Dave could just pull up here and get on the outside of Arzanov, he would have him boxed in perfectly. Let's hope Dave makes a move down this back stretch. The Kenyans running like a mirror reflection of each other. In first and second, Fromm there he right goes. there with him. There's Arzana from the Soviet Union going up to the lead now. There goes Arzana, the favorite, taking the lead. Dave Waddle is making his bid. He's not in too bad position right now. I think Dave's in great position on this. At this point, he's in perfect position on the outside. Good striking distance for this last 100, 200 meters. Stand by for the kick of Dave Waddle. If he's got it, he could make it. But he's got to catch Arzana and the Kenyans. And here he comes. This is the bid for a gold medal of Dave Waddle. He's got one Kenyan. I think he's going to make it. I think he did it. Dave Waddle won the gold medal. The man who came out of nowhere in the U.S. Olympic trials. The man who then got married, and some people said he should have gotten married. It was going to ruin him. He came up with two bad knees. He couldn't train for weeks. And he has come in and won the gold medal, the first tremendously exciting moment in track for the United States in these Olympic Games. And Dave looked the calmest of all. First, probably a couple of times I watched that when I was when I was looking for some specific video like that, I I got kind of choked up because I'm I'm watching it. I'm like, wow. I mean, I, I kind of think I understand what his game plan was. He didn't want to give all his energy away on that first lap, but that second lap, man, did he ever give everything he had in him. Okay, now listen, Dave Waddle in April of 2019 was actually quoted saying this. He says, it still amazes me how important one minute, 45.9 seconds was to me. It was a fleeting moment in time, but it was the culmination of a lot of years of practice 
and preparation and perseverance. And it's affected every day of my life since. I hope, I hope that clip motivates you this morning. One immediate takeaway I'd like you to grab hold of this morning based off of Dave's incredible victory is, is this. How far behind you start off is not nearly as paramount as how you finish. Amen. As Pastor Robert likes to say, that's tweetable, so I'm gonna say it one more time. <laughs> how far behind you may start off is not nearly as paramount as how you finish in comparison to Dave Waddle's inspirational win. It's possible that maybe some of, of you this morning, maybe in some way, in your life, you may feel like you are presently or, or that you have been dead last. And you've still got the entire race ahead of you. And you might be wondering, I don't know, maybe you've asked yourself, you know, what will I, will I reach? Will I reach the, the finish line? Will I win or, or even can I win? Can I, can I win Maybe you've also asked your, yourselves more specific questions, things like, will I beat this depression? Will I overcome this anxiety? Because maybe that's the race you feel you're in. Will I defeat this, this anger? Will I ever stop being bitter? Can I come to the place to where I, I forgive those people who did me so very, very wrong? Will I ever have enough money? Will I ever see my family and friends turn to Jesus? How can, I, how can I carry on, God, considering the losses that I've faced? Maybe you think, will I ever experience real victory in this battle in my mind and for my sanity? Unlike Dave Waddle, and what we just saw, this, this miraculous, incredible victory that, that he had in 1972. Unlike Dave, some of us, some people, don't experience a whole lot of success. Some of us don't feel like we have that comeback story like we saw in, in Dave's run there. In our, in our walk with Jesus or just in a variety of areas of life. And it's, it's not because... God isn't with us or, or for us because he is, because that's what the Bible teaches us. But this is what I think. I think it's simply because some of us fail to see the finish line as possible. We just fail to see the finish line as a reality for us, as a possibility. And therefore, here's what happens along the way. Life, you know, it goes, it goes on and on and on. And maybe you've got this incredible pace starting off and you just, you know, you, you slow down over the years and life just, it, it, it takes, takes a toll on you. You get tired. A few hits along the way, a few bad relationships, a few bad financial moves, maybe whatever the circumstance might be and, and you just feel like that pace just slows down. Maybe, maybe someone injured you and, and now there's trauma. Maybe it feels like there's layers. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here thinking it's all that and more. 
And for some, feeling battle fatigued, that pace, which was once this really good pace and then it slowed down and all of a sudden it's a, it's a stop. And for some, it's just a, oh, oh, I can't, I can't do it no more. I'm done. Now that's not everybody's story. Some, some say, I can do it. I can do it. But, But not a lot do. Often what we see is, it's, and this is common, right before the breakthrough, it seems. You know why? And it's because God doesn't show us where that finish line is. What we're supposed to do is keep running to win, as scripture tells us to do. And the battle often seems like it is the very hardest right before that breakthrough is right on the other side of the threshold. And that's when the temptation to just throw in the towel and give it all up might feel like it is the most heightened. I want to tell you today, though, that doesn't have to be your story. If you feel like that's your story, or there's somebody you know, and and it seems like that is, or that might be their story, it doesn't have to be. That doesn't have to be. At the time of his win in 1972, Dave Waddle, if, if you caught that last part of the video, the announcer had said he had two bad knees, in that race, in that race, he had two bad knees and he had not been able to train for weeks. So how, how in the world was that man able to pull off that victory in the manner which he did? How was it he was able to come from, as, as you saw, I mean, he wasn't just last, but there was a point where he was really last. Like if there was a spot after dead last, that's kind of like where he was. How did he come from that to winning the gold medal? The answer is this, and and Dave was quoted saying this in that 2019 quote. It was from the culmination of years of practice, preparation, and perseverance. Dave pulled from his years of training in that race. That, that race wasn't his first rodeo. Wasn't his first rodeo. I would think that as Dave went through training in life that he was probably taught how to push through the pain. As a lot of athletes are. Dave in that moment in 1972, he had to put all those years of training and practice into that one moment. And he had to make it all worth it in that one moment. Two bad knees, hadn't been able to train. But all the years prior of all that practice, all that training, all that persevering, all that pushing through the pain, and that moment, he had to, there had to be a payoff. There had to be some return on investment. So the question The question for us is this, how do we as believers find the strength that we need and and what steps do we need to take to build up our endurance to be able to run like winners? To run like winners when it comes to our relationship with God. Uh, Imagine this, imagine imagine the track is life and those other runners, they're, they're like mountains or the obstacles that you face along the way, along your journey over the years. 
If you feel like you're running in last place, are you gonna stay trailing behind? Or are you gonna decide that you're gonna run to win? This is a question that every believer is gonna be faced with at some point. We're taught by Jesus in the gospels, there's a cost to discipleship. Many don't wanna pay it. Pastor Robert just taught us recently as the series we just finished was rounding off, I think it was the message before the last one, you'll probably recall this, that that land of Jericho, that place of surrender, a lot of people wanna jump from intimacy, that Bethel experience to the Jordan River, miracles. We just wanna go from intimacy to miracles, but we, we wanna skip that place where God says, I need all of you. It's going to require all of you, every part of you. And then we look at that discipleship relationship, the discipline of the Lord at times, and we just think, ah. I mean, those of you who have kids, you understand, right? And they're like, ah, dad, mom. But the discipline of the Lord is good if you're willing to, to submit to it and it has tremendous payoff. I wanna start this morning by giving you three spiritual truths from God's word. I'm gonna take a quick little sip. Three truths from God's word, spiritual truths. And I need you to grab hold of these right out of the gate, all right? Because these are gonna help you build endurance so that we can persevere and be the kind of believers that are running to win. As followers of Jesus, as ones who are born again, according to John 3, here's the first point. We need to hear. We need to hear God's declaration over us that we are made holy by the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross. Now, you might hear that this morning and think, Chris, I mean, that's pretty basic, man. I feel like I got that. But believe it or not, I personally believe that a lot of Christians actually struggle to believe they're holy. That can be a real problem in, in your attempt to be an overcomer. If you don't or you struggle with believing that the blood of Jesus has made you holy and you still owe God something, now we're gonna get to that in a moment. So don't anybody you know, lose your minds just yet. We're gonna get to that. Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood and by the blood of Jesus applied to us, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've made a commitment to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you are in fact, according to scripture, holy. You are holy. See, if Dave in that race was to have told himself, I don't, I don't think I can do this, man. Two bad knees. I haven't been able to train in weeks. What am I thinking? Why am I even here? If he was to have thought that, there's probably the likelihood that he wouldn't have won. A lot of people and a lot of Christians see what God's word says on the pages of the Bible, but there are so many that don't hear what God is saying because the effects of life have a way of numbing us. And in a sense, sometimes we feel challenged to see 
and believe and we just look at our situations and our circumstances at times and we're just like, how? How, God? Those effects, some of us this morning might feel kind of numbed out in life already. And, and, and in, in that condition, that state of mind, it can be hard to, to receive, to believe in God's eternal goodness. But if we look in Romans 10, 17, we see these words, it says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. In 1972, Dave Waddle, his soul needed to hear Dave saying internally to himself, I can win this. I can win this. Two bad knees and I can win this. I haven't trained, but I can win this. Why? Because I know what I'm doing. Everything I've done in life was for this moment. I cannot lose now. His soul needed to hear that. And here's what happens. When, when, when we Run to win. We have that state of mind, that posture of heart. I'm gonna run to win. Here's what happened likely for Dave at that moment, that thought of winning, that seed got planted into his mind and then it grew into a, this tree of belief. Now he probably envisioned himself like Speedy Gonzalez, you know? Andale, andale, remember that? That was also back in the day, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Do you believe today that you are holy? I, I, I want to tell you this. If you're struggling, it's, it, there's no shame. God just has something he wants to reveal to you. There's no shame. If you've struggled with that or you're presently struggling, you're like, I'm not raising my hand. No way. It's Okay. I struggled with it. Probably the, the majority of my, my walk with the Lord, I struggled with that. How with all the things I've done wrong, can it be as easy as that? And I, 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 I was convinced that I had to do things in essence to prove to God. Like there was some proving that I could do. He was already fully pleased with me. I just couldn't receive it. Until not too long ago, when I really started to step into that revelation of what being the righteousness of God means according to scripture, to stand right with God and to be looked at by him through the blood of Jesus as, as someone who is holy. God's word says that we have to receive it in order for the power of this biblical truth to transform us through faith. See, we can't just read. You have to hear it, believe it, and then the power of that truth will begin to transform you. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10.10. 10. It says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Isn't that awesome? Once for all time. In my chronological reading plan right now, I'm, I'm, I've gone through Genesis, Exodus, and, and I, I just went through Leviticus, and now I'm in Numbers a little bit. So uh, I've been reading a whole lot about what used to have to been done. 
And I'm so glad we don't got to do any of that anymore. So if you've read any of those books, the first five books of the Bible, then you know what I'm saying. I want to tell you again today, friends, and just remind you, hear God's word today. You are, you are a born again follower of Jesus. If you've professed him with your mouth, he is Lord, believed it in your heart that he died and rose again. You're holy by the blood of Jesus. You're right with God. You might feel there's some things in your life that got to change still. But in this present moment, even with that not worked out yet circumstance, as long as you are repentant through that and you are pursuing, you're holy, friends. You're holy. There's more to the story, as I had mentioned. But let's just let all that we, we've, we've talked about so far have a moment to sink in. And we're gonna also let that kind of segue us into this next truth. Number two is this. We need to believe that we are in fact the sons and daughters of God and that we do have right standing with him. So we hear God's word as it speaks to us from the pages of the Bible we choose by faith to believe. Dave Waddle had to hear within himself that he was capable of winning. Then he had to believe that he was capable of winning. And the same goes for us. We need to hear what the Bible says about us. We need to believe it because faith comes from hearing. Romans 3.22 says this. This is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible because this was the scripture that ministered to me the most when I was kind of at this real pinnacle point of my need many years ago. Romans 3.22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Because see, there was a time where, where I felt disqualified because of sin from my past. But scripture says right here, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And 2 Corinthians six. 18 says, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that encouraging? So after we hear God's word, we choose to believe God's word. And then number three, we must, everybody's favorite word, obey. We must obey God's command to pursue and live a life of holiness now we're gonna, we're gonna in, endeavor into the importance of this. First Peter 1.16 says, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Leviticus 27 says, so set yourselves apart to be holy for I am the Lord your God. And Hebrews 12.14 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy 
will not see the Lord. You think, you think God is trying to get a, a message uh, across to us? We are made holy by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. We're also commanded to pursue living a holy life. And the way we become runners who run to win in our relationship with God is by hearing, believing, obeying. You've maybe seen that somewhere. God is good, amen? God is not merely asking us to be good people. A lot of people think they're good people. A lot. But he's commanded us. He's not even asking us. He's not, he's not suggesting it. He's, he's literally saying, without that component in our relationship together, I'm sorry, but it's a No. Now, in order to realize the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, in, in my life, seeing God's work in us, this comes out of that commitment that we make to pursue a life of holiness. In order to have, have the brand new you experience, that's what we're talking about today. In order to have that, that experience in, in your life, the fruit of our love for Jesus or if you want to say it this way, the, the expression of our love for Jesus, it's going to come out of whether or not we're obeying his commandments. And I, I, want, I want to just put this out there because the room's kind of quiet right now. And I'm sure, you know, we're all kind of digesting it. As I'm, I've gone through this like a million times up today and I'm still kind of digesting it myself as well, what we're talking about. I wanna make something clear. I'm not talking about legalistic or religious Christianity. You guys understand that, right? That's not what, what I'm talking about. That's not what God has invited you into. That's not the kind of relationship that he's wanting to have with you. He's just simply saying, I have a, a standard and, and he's saying my standard is holiness. That, that is God's standard, utter perfection. He's utterly perfect in every way. He wants us to pursue to be like that, to be like him to chase that, to have a hunger for that, to want that, to want to be like him, to chase after him. God, God is both, he's given us something, but he's also asked something from us. He's given us salvation and holiness through Jesus, a free gift. We don't have to earn it. But Jesus has also commanded us to pursue this life of holiness And, you know, if, if you've ever encountered people, or, or I don't know, I don't know, maybe this has been you at some point, especially at the beginning for, for some people as, as they come into relationship with the Lord and, and, and they think, well, I mean, if Jesus paid it all, I mean, if, 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 if he shed his blood on, on the cross for me and, I, and I'm made holy like that, I mean, why do I have to obey all these rules? Why do I gotta, I, didn't, I thought we were done with all that. I thought that that's what the New Testament was all about. And we were, we're done with all these rules and stuff, you know? You wouldn't believe the amount of people that just up and leave churches and never really get settled into their relationship with God because that, that's, that's where the, mind, the mindset is. 
even though salvation is a free gift, meaning we don't have to do anything to earn it, we're called by Jesus in John 15 to remain in his love or to abide in his love. Now, I want you to really, you got to bite down on that because there is a whole lot that he is saying in just those words right there. Remain in my love, abide in my love. If we remain in his love, we're basically pursuing obeying his commandments. And I'm not making this stuff up. We're gonna take a look at John 15 in a moment, but I wanna just kinda, you wanna laugh for a minute? Let's just kind of break this up. Let's break this up. Do you think God has buttons? Like, you can push the buttons. If you're a parent, your buttons have been pushed at some point, right? So you know what I'm talking about. We don't, I don't have to explain how this works to you. You've probably said to your kids, you're pushing my buttons. <laughs> you are pushing my buttons. Here's what I've told my kids. You remember this, Abby? Not, no, Abby, I'm not saying Abby's a bad kid. I'm not saying any, any of our children are, are, were, were bad kids. But you've probably heard me say these things. I have buttons, and you guys choose whether or not to push them. And I've said this before. Bianca just heard me say this the other day. There's a version of me that I don't like being. There's a version of dad that I don't, I don't like being. I don't choose to be that dad. I don't wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to be the mean dad today. Where are the not done dishes? Where is the not put away laundry? Where is the not mopped floor? No, I'm, I, that, that's not me. But I, I have standards and I have expectations. And they're clear. My kids know. They know me. Right? You guys know me. Bianca, you're my daughter-in-law. You, you know me now, right? There's a way we do stuff. And when we don't do stuff that way, <laughs> the buttons are pushed. And I become a different person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not for long, right? So, so think about it like this. If... If all the buttons are not pushed and all the expectations that I have are all met, then what version of, of me do you get? The best. And, and what do you usually get from the best version of me? All the benefits. All the benefits, right? All the benefits flow out of when dad is at his best. But when dad's not at his best, not only do we not get the benefits, but sometimes stuff gets taken away. Oh, no. So, do we think God has buttons? Should we be pushing his buttons? Let's not push his buttons. Because he's saying, Jesus is saying, remain in my love. If I, if I had a translation that I was writing, I probably would put in there, you know, the Chris Mays amplified version, and it would say, don't push God's buttons. Remain in his love. All right, so we're trekking along, right? That was a nice little refresher. Uh, I'm wondering if we even need to recap because, you know, I put notes to myself. Hey, let's recap. Make sure we recap because what's important to me anytime I speak is that you're getting it and that I understand it when, when I'm saying it to you. So, because if we all leave today and nobody gets anything, then we just wasted each other's time. We could have just went straight from worship to brunch. <laughs> if you want to run to win, 
You've got to hear, believe, and obey. We get that, right? God has gifted us salvation through Christ. We don't have to earn it. We're made holy. God is commanding us to pursue a life of holiness, obeying his commands, causing us to remain in Christ's love. All right, so we're going to look in John 15 now. As we get ready to go into John 15, we're going to start at verse 1. The Gospel of John was written by the Apostle John, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Uh, it is suggested that John composed this gospel while serving the church in, in Ephesus, somewhere between maybe 70 to 110 AD, but possibly more closely uh, between 85 and 95 AD. You're, you're going to understand why I'm telling you all this stuff and as we track a little further. There's a reason why I'm giving you this big breakdown. Okay, Ephesus was a city in ancient Greece, about two miles southwest of what is now present-day Turkey. Uh, it's also suggested by commentary that John wrote his gospel putting a focus on Jesus as Messiah, as the Son of God, compared to Jesus as King or uh, Jesus the Servant, things like that. And again, it suggested that John was writing this gospel to call unbelievers to faith and to provide confidence for believers who were struggling in their faith. Do you think that some, uh, some early Christians struggled to believe they were holy? They struggled to have faith in Jesus because of how new it was and how rigorous this system was that they had been following for so long. And now they're being told, you don't have to do that anymore. So, so John is, is writing to help encourage non-believers to come to faith in Jesus, but he's also providing confidence who are already walking with Jesus to, to strengthen them. So starting verse one, John 15, you ready? Jesus' words, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Verse four, you ready? Here it is. I didn't make it up. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Don't push my buttons and we're gonna have a good time. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Remember in Luke 15, the, the prodigal son who left home. Just keep that in mind. And you cannot be fruitful unless you what? Remain in me or abide in me, depending on your translation. Listen, you've heard these words. Pastor Robert taught this to us in the series we just went through, the inheritance only works when you're at home, when you remain, when you're connected to the vine. You want to reap the benefits, you've got to remain. You've got to abide. Verse five. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nada. Remember Larry Boy and uh, VeggieTales? Nada. Some of you get it, right? I've, we've seen a lot of VeggieTales, obviously. Verse six. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be, to be burned. You know, a, a, another place in scripture, it says God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't want the buttons to be pushed because that's not the God he wakes up in the morning choosing to be. Where are we? Verse seven. But if you remain in me, he says, and my words remain in you, you ready? Inheritance alert. You may ask for anything you want. Now I want a Ford Bronco and I still don't have one. That's not what he's talking about. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Verse eight, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Say what? I thought God didn't have favorites. No, but he does have true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Verse nine, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, I told you I wasn't making this up. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. You ready? Now we're actually getting a little deeper. Now we want to know what exactly are you commanding me to do, Lord? Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, true disciples, I no longer call you slaves, he says, verse 15, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father's told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I think some of you need to hear that today. Heather, you know God chose you? He chose you. Tammy, God chose you. Delena, God chose you. Lucy, James, God didn't choose to do that, I did that. He chose you. He says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Did you know that, Jennifer? God has chosen you to go and produce lasting fruit. Bianca, Abby, George. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using his name. This is my command. He says, love each other. Run to win by hearing, believing, and obeying God's word. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now get this, verse 40, you ready? The entire law. Remember, we've talked about this here and there. Over 600 rules, regulations, protocol, lots of things to be done. 
lots of ways that it has to be done. Not everybody could just do whatever they wanted. Certain people had to do certain things in a certain way and often at certain times. There was a lot to this. Jesus is saying the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands alone. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Loving God and loving others, that is the essence of obeying Jesus' commandments and remaining in his love. That's another tweetable one, so I'm gonna say it one more time. Loving God and loving others, that is the essence of obeying Jesus' commands and remaining in his love. We're gonna start to wind down. I just gave you three spiritual truths. As we, as we wind down, I'm gonna give you now three practical truths because I wanna give you something now that you can take with you and this is what you're gonna run with, okay? Number one is this, exercise, spiritual training. I used to have a membership to Planet Fitness, but I don't anymore. <laughs> that's how me and exercise go. That's the relationship. <laughs> Usually that's about two months. It was the same for me in college, about two months. And then, yeah, <laughs> I'm not good at that. Not hype, but actual training. In the locker room, before a sports team hits the field, a coach usually gets the team hyped up, you know? And the team is like, you know, smashing their helmets together. They're ready to go. Could you imagine, though, that if that's all that they did, there, there was no actual training there were, or exercise. It was just the pep talks. I mean, maybe that's why some of the teams out there have not been doing so well over the years. Just too much pep talk and we need more exercise and and better players, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Teams that, 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 if that was their philosophy, they'd be expected to just be clobbered on the field, right? You wouldn't expect them to win. They didn't ever exercise or train. All, All they had was strong pep talks. They just got amped up just to get beat up. Between weightlifting, drills, various other exercises, that's the reality, though, of athletes. Players train. Players train. They're preparing themselves to throw, kick, hit hard, run long distances, etc. You guys know the drill. That's, that's the reality of the life of athletes on sports teams, especially, you know, in uh, major sports. Christians need training, too. Ha, ha, ha. But you don't need a membership to Planet Fitness. So how do we train then? Well, mm -hmm. I can first tell you this. I love the fact that all of you are here today, but this ain't enough. Just as in the same way that those pep talks are not enough for for those, those athletes before they hit the field. Our weight room is God's word. Somebody said that already. Our weight room is God's word. We need to spend time with God in his word alone. Alone, friends. You and God. And you might think, but I don't understand. Get a different translation of the Bible that's easier to read. Start there. 
I, I still don't get it. That's okay. Take it a verse or two at a time. God's not expecting you to be a theologian overnight. He's not expecting you to be a scholar tomorrow. He's not expecting you to have a doctorate in divinity next week. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, some of us would like for it to be that way, but listen, God is patient. Be patient with yourself, but just do it. That's the thing. Don't not do it because you think, I just, I don't understand. I can't. Start somewhere. Start, start, start with, hi, God. I don't get it. But I'm here and I want to try. And just start reading. Spend time alone with God, you and God. Just like with lifting weights, you don't just grab any weights. I hurt myself once. Doing too much on one of the chest machines when I was younger in college. And then the next day I was emailing my professor of sociology. Oh, I can't make it for the test today. Cause I thought I was having, uh, I was having chest pains. I thought I was having a heart attack. But really what happened when I went to the ER was I pulled and strained my rib muscles. Yeah, and I think they even had to give me a, a muscle relaxer, a shot, which was great then. I, f I felt a lot better after that. But Because, <laughs> see, you, they gave us a plan in the weightlifting class, but I, I didn't really do the plan because you always think there's more in me this is nothing. And then the next day you're like, oh, oh, why? You do it a little at a time for a reason because your body may not be telling you immediately. Your, your brain is telling you, go, 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 go. But your body is telling you, you dumb. <laughs> you dumb. So you need a plan, right? So now I'm not gonna tell you guys what to read, but I am gonna give you a strategy that I feel is very beneficial on how to read scripture. You ready? We're gonna start blasting through some stuff. This is called the ripple effect. Now the ripple effect is something we teach in the battle zone curriculum for uh, guys who've already been through it and guys who are, have the chance to go through it very soon. You're gonna learn this, the ripple effect. It means this, read, interpret, personalize, live it. It is a highly engaging, very beneficial way for you to read scripture. You know how before we got into John 15, I gave you this little description of where we were going. How many of you felt like that was uh, some valuable information to have before we got into John 15? We, yeah, we, we looked at things that were, uh, were really important to help us understand more than just what we're reading, but we're understanding the context of, of what we're reading. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, a lot of Christians read the Bible mostly devotionally, and I didn't even understand that until I went through Battle Zone myself, and I realized, oh man, I think I've only ever been reading the Bible devotionally. And then, and then I had to pause for a moment, and I realized, whoa, I've probably spoken out of context so many times and I've probably lived scripture out of context the majority of my walk with the Lord because I had never known that it's not the best method to read and apply, read and apply, read and apply without ever actually digging for questions like, who wrote this? Who was being spoken to? 
What time period was this written in? What, where, where was this person when this was written. What are some of the key issues that were being addressed? Now, again, I'm getting really ahead of myself, but that stuff is important. That stuff is important, okay? So I'm gonna backtrack a little bit so I make sure I don't just throw a bag of nuts and bolts at you, but I give you all the stuff that is important. So the danger in only reading scripture devotionally is that we might take on or begin to live out wrong interpretations of scripture because uh, we don't understand the context of it. Scripture has context. Scripture has context, okay? And the context of scripture, we need to come to discover so that we have the proper understanding about the things that we're reading. I'm willing to bet that there's been times in your lives you've read things in the Bible and you just looked at it and you're like, what? What like probably the whole Old Testament, right? Oh, yeah. Say what? No. First thing to do is just read. Don't try to figure anything out. Just read the words, whether you understand them or not. And I'm not talking about spending time, when you spend time alone with God, once you begin to graduate from one verse to a few verses, start aiming for whole chapters, whole books, whole chapters, whole books, whole reading plans in a year or two years. If you're, you know, I used to be a slow reader. I've gotten better over the years. So a year plan for me was really like a year and a half-ish. <laughs> uh, so the next thing is, is the interpretation. And the interpretation is all the stuff that I was just mentioning to you. That's where you spend the time. If you have a study Bible, you're way ahead of everyone else. If you don't own a study Bible and you can afford to buy a study Bible, I would encourage you, get your hands on a study Bible. It'll really help you learn God's word. Because answering those questions, where was this written? Who was being spoken to? What are some of the highlights of the issues that were being addressed in, in what I'm reading here? Getting all those facts are gonna really help you to have a proper understanding of the context of scripture. From there is where we begin to personalize. Once you know, you've spent time reading, you've gathered all the facts and, and whatnot, now you can, you can see how God was working in the lives of specific people throughout time. And, and you, can, you can, by looking at that, now see, looking at your own life, okay, how does this fit now into my own real personal life experience? How does, how does what I'm reading fit into this? And then the next stage, of course, after that is you begin, after you feel like you figured some things out, here's how God was dealing with these people here. And I've got this very similar thing going on here. And then you begin to ask yourself, all right, God, how do I apply that now to this that I'm going through, this circumstance of mine, this real life situation? How do I act on this and live this out? Do you see the value in all that? Read, interpret, get the facts, search for the personalization, live it out. Okay, we're blazing through. So that first point was exercise. That's your spiritual training. The next is this, examine. Testing. Athletes do not merely train by lifting weights and doing drills, they practice. Teams will often play scrimmage games. Fighters will spar. 
our worship team. We rehearse Thursday nights to, to run through the song sets to make sure that we understand uh, what does the flow feel like that we feel like we're aiming for? Do we understand the, the songs? Is, is the roadmap of the song, are we all in agreement on these things? Before that though, we're all practicing throughout the week and sometimes for many weeks. I put the schedules out for the songs a month in advance so everyone has time to look at the songs, question me on songs. Maybe we make changes to some of the songs or the keys of the songs or who's leading a song. And then we, we spend time alone with the songs and we practice and then we come together and we rehearse, which is different than practicing. But we're examining, we're testing. Our relationship to the body of Christ, the community of believers across the world works the same way. We need practice. We benefit greatly by being in fellowship with other believers. Would you agree? First in the local church, but also, and I'm gonna dare to say this because I've become a big fan of the environments of small groups or Bible studies. I love stuff like that. Those of you who have been in a rooted group with me or those of you who are currently in the rooted group that we're in or uh, identity camp, those of us who have been through some things together, you know some things about me and I know some things about you. We would have never learned those things in, in this environment, right? So those small groups, they've got tremendous value. Scripture commands us to not neglect the meeting together of believers in Hebrews 10, 25, but also Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another relationship. When we worship together, when we fellowship, when we pray, when we study, we've, we've got a chance to put into practice, exercise, all those things that we're learning and doing all these things play a huge role in our maturity. The last is this, and then we're gonna close. Number three, it's execute. For athletes, this is game day. For Christians, this is where we put our faith into action. This is our serving. This is our witnessing. This is our giving. This is our efforts and investment into growing, advancing, and expanding the kingdom of God. I wanna read to you from James chapter two, and then we're gonna close. Starting at verse 14. And, and I'm gonna read this to you, and I'm just, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not perfect at, the, at what I'm about to read to you. So if you are, please help me. <laughs> but just because, just because I'm not perfect at it doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at it right now. It says this, James 2, starting at verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food, no clothing, and you say, goodbye. <laughs> have a great day. Love ya. Stay warm. Eat well. I'm going to Burger King. <laughs> but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. It's just not enough to be a faithful believer. 
unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. I, I, I didn't write this. Verse 18. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by good deeds. Verse 19. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, it says. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. Pause there for a moment. When you look over here and you look at our mission statement, what is the last line of the mission statement? Build God's kingdom. When you look over here at our vision statement, what is the last word? Serving. Serving. Building God's kingdom. That's where we end up. We start faith in Jesus. And we grow in relationship. We become a family. Then we grow as, we grow as disciples, true disciples of Jesus. But we can't stop there. We now have to grow this kingdom. We now have to expand this kingdom. We start, we help people come to know Jesus so they can be saved. We help them through all the, the things that, that we do, these, these small groups, Rooted Identity Camp, Mending the Soul is about to start, Battle Zone, so people can uh, become healed and set free. We're about to go into a new series starting next week, Chain Breaker, that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about. And in that process, we're getting discipled. And in that process, we're getting equipped and empowered. Why? so that we can duplicate ourselves. So that we can grow and expand God's kingdom. Where was I? Verse 21, I think. No. Mm -hmm. 22. Well, pick 22. It sounds good to me. You see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Verse 24, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I want to invite you to stand up this morning. I want you to just take a moment as, as we close out this morning. I want to go ahead and also have the, uh, the altar team those who are gonna serve on the altar team this morning, go ahead and, and come on up and let's be ready to pray for people. As we, as we end, just start asking God right now. Lord, is there, is there a way you want me right now, that you need me right now to respond? I'm not going to suppose, as I look around this morning, I, I basically know almost everybody in, in the room this morning. There's very few of you that I don't know. So I know that 
the vast majority of us in this room are believers. We're in relationship with God, but I'm not gonna suppose that I know where you're at with Jesus. And I'm not saying you're in a bad spot. I'm not saying that at all. And I don't want you to think that you're in a worse off spot than you really may be. Don't allow the flesh or the enemy to plant that lie into your mind. But just spend a moment with God right now and just say, God, is there some particular manner in which you wanna stir me right now? I wanna be open to how you want me to respond because Lord, you've brought revelation this morning. And and as you're talking with the Lord right now, I'm just gonna pray us out. And then our altar team is gonna be available to pray with you further if you need prayer this morning. Where there is revelation, there is a demand for change. When God brings revelation to you, he's bringing that revelation to you because there's, in, there's some way he wants to work in you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying right now that there are many gifts. There are many gifts for you. And and the way I'm kind of seeing it in my mind, the way that he's revealing it to me, it's just like, it's all of you. It's all of you. You're all gifted. And as you pursue, as you search him out, as you surrender your life, you're gonna begin to see him revealing things and using you in ways. And even as you you delight yourself in him, the things of the world become far less attractive and the things of God, you just can't get enough. I believe God wants you to know right now, do that and you're gonna see he's gonna pour out the Holy Spirit over you. dream dreams you're going to prophesy as we see in scripture some of you I believe even that God's going to turn situations around in your lives even specifically as some of you have been praying for family members and maybe there's some relationships that man they've just gone south I can raise my hand to that I have I have family issue as well too so I'm asking you to pray for me and for issues that I have in my my family not in my household but in fam in my family so Lord here we are with hands lifted hands hands out before you Jesus saying we surrender these things to you use us fill us right now afresh, Jesus.
We thank you this morning for touching us, for moving in this place, teaching us and encouraging us. We leave this place filled this morning and we're ready to build your kingdom. We just ask that you'd help us. We thank you for the anointing that you've given us to carry out the things you've asked of us. And we look to you, our eyes are on you, Jesus. We love you so much, Lord, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church. 